It's the criterion. It's the criterion. 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 In. 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 Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Criterion Project. And this is the show where we like to talk about what's playing on the Criterion channel and uh, some other fun stuff that we've been watching. And I am film critic Rachel Wagner. Conrado is here. Yes, he is. How you doing, Rachel? Doing pretty good. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Because the last time we recorded was before the New Year, even though we pretended. But I hope everybody enjoyed our episode where we talked about yeah. some of our favorite movies. That was a lot of fun. I, I enjoy doing those uh, those bonus episodes. They're a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely, yeah. for sure. <laughs> well, uh, what we like to do when we start our episodes is talk about what we've been watching, either on the Criterion channel or otherwise. So uh, what about you, Conrado? What have you been watching? What have I been watching? Uh, well, I've been watching a lot because actually I, I got a positive COVID test not too long ago. So oh, I'm, yeah, I'm getting out of it. Luckily, it was very, a uh, very mild situation. But uh, that means that I've been stuck at home and I've been watching a lot <laughs> of stuff. Um, but what I wanted to say was, first of all, that in the episode, the last episode we recorded, I mentioned Avatar The Way of Water, which I hadn't seen yet but that I said was probably going to be one of my favorite movies of the year if if just, you know, knowing myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I got to say, it was. I had a, had a great time with it. I thought I was very happy to return to Pandora. Mm -hmm. I think that James Cameron is definitely on a different level when it comes to those, you know, blockbuster um uh, filmmaking like you know I know mm -hmm. that people think it's corny that it's too obvious whatever I I couldn't disagree more I just mm -hmm. feel like it's it's a perfect perfect balance yeah I really enjoyed it as well it was in one of my favorites of the year I loved the family theme of it and uh the that it was basically a refugee story which I thought was mm, sure really good. Yeah. yeah that's that's very true mm -hmm. um yeah and you know, there's something about it. I really enjoyed, um, I know some people have complained about the length. I really enjoyed the whole middle section where not a lot happens. It's just hanging out in this new world with mm -hmm. the water, with the whales, and just like kind of living oh, in it the um, in the 3D and in IMAX. It was it was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I really, really loved that movie. Um, and... Good. In a similar, well, I don't know if it's similar at all, except with the fact that, you know, the when I first saw the original Avatar many years ago, I enjoyed it a lot, but I wasn't crazy about it. But with the mm -hmm. years rewatching it, I think we've talked about this. It really spoke to me again. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I... I haven't re I haven't gotten a chance to rewatch it, but uh, I, uh, I've I felt like it was kind of overhated because it did so well people expect it to be perfect and it's not perfect mm -hmm. what movies are but uh but it was entertaining and uh so I, uh, yeah. I i i really enjoyed this new one as well Definitely. and it was refreshing because so many of the oscar contenders i didn't enjoy i felt like it was just one disappointment after another mm -hmm. um and uh so 
the fact that I liked Avatar was, I was mm-hmm. like, yay. <laughs> yeah, I think when it comes to Oscar contenders, we tend to go like back and forth, maybe. Yeah. I think some years when you are into them, I don't like them. But this year, you know, I like Avatar. I like Fablements a lot. I like Top Gun. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I I'm, did like Top Gun. But, uh, but anyway, yeah, I, uh, I, uh, had fun yesterday. Uh, I went and saw Shin Ultraman. Oh yeah. We've heard of this. Uh, our friends who joined us for the, um, Godzilla episode, I'm sure are checking this Mm -hmm. movie out. Um, but, uh, but yeah, this is a Tenkatsu Kaiju, uh, movie. Uh, that mm-hmm. was very creative, very fun. Yeah. And uh, got sort of the old school special effects that were charming and enjoyable. And oh, really? uh, yeah, I, I think you'd, I think you'd enjoy it. I, I, I was really looking forward to seeing it, but it, it was only playing like two days in yeah. my local theater and Bad I am event. sick with COVID, so I can't go. <laughs> I would have gone if I, if I weren't, you know, having to isolate mm. at home. Yeah. Um, so I'm really bummed that I missed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I also saw a man called Otto and I, this is based on one of my favorite books, a man called Ove Friedrich Bachman, I think is, maybe our finest living writer current oh, wow. current living uh writer uh, and there was a movie it was a i think a swedish movie a couple of years yeah. ago right yeah and i love the swedish film i think that, that it, you do you watch this movie and you think does this need to exist no it does not but it's this what, new very, this new version you mean yeah this new version but it's well done it it's well executed i mean you know me i'm a sucker for like grumpy old men Mm. And it's Tom movies. Hanks in this one. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Hanks, which is also a Rachel Wagner soft spot. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, so I really, I really enjoyed it. Uh, and I mean, I cried. It, this mm-hmm. thing brought on the tears. But it's been, it's been kind of a hit, that movie. I was, mm-hmm. I was surprised to see how much, how well it was doing. Is the book really yeah. popular? Maybe I just didn't oh, yeah, know about yeah. it. It was a big, like, book clubby book. Oh. Yeah. It's a. I mean, I just think he's a tremendous writer. I've read three of his novels and I've loved them all. Uh, um, Anxious People is probably my favorite. It's so well written. Hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, and so far, both versions of A Man Called Ove were both great. And you can okay. watch the original, the Swedish adaptation on Canopy if you have uh, with your library card. So. All right. Okay. Yeah. I think Very this is good. one of those places where we diverge because I got to be honest that I saw the trailer for that, the Tom Hanks version and it couldn't be le- less appealing to me. It's just not up my alley. Mm-hmm. I think this is one of those things where, uh, yeah, your softness for grumpy old men is not, <laughs> it's not the same for me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. There's something about it. Maybe it's because mm-hmm. I had a grumpy old grandpa and he never, he never mm-hmm. came around. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's funny <laughs> but anyway today we're talking about a grumpy teenager <laughs> oh yeah that's true or yes. you know kid teenager <laughs> young adult yes uh we're talking about persepolis and uh this is the animated film based on the from 2007 based on the it's actually based on two graphic novels 
Mm-hmm. Um, that, by, uh, by Marjane Satrape. Mar- yeah. Marjane, mm-hmm. I think it's how you pronounce it. That, right? I don't know about her last name at all, but in the movie, I, I remember uh, them saying Marjane, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, why or don't Margie. you ex- tell the audience what this movie's about? Yeah, so it's um so it's basically kind of like a memoir autobiography type of movie. Um Marjan Satrapi, I guess, is a um graphic novel artist, writer and artist, and she wrote these uh graphic novels about her experience growing up uh mostly in Iran, but also outside of Iran at certain points, um back and forth, you know in the times like the late 70s and early 80s the time of the Iranian revolution when the shah was ousted and replaced by the islamic republic um which is you know like fundamental islam sort of like very conservative mm-hmm. um government and how things changed in iran and how it was hard for her family and for her and that kind of situation you know kind of like i would say about the role of women in Iranian society in general, but very specific about her own experience and very, very personal. And I think that is one of the things that I really love about the movie, uh, how, yeah, the, the fact that it's so so specific to her experience and so honest and so connected and so personal. It's hard to argue with something like that when it's done mm-hmm. with such, you know, with such care and when it's, it feels so connected to her own experience. Yeah, definitely. And it just feels like such a unique film watching it. And I just never seen a film quite like it. And mm-hmm. even since. Yeah, let's talk a little bit more about that. Right. Because um, mm-hmm. it's an animated movie, which I mean, it came out in 2007. I was a teenager back then. So it was kind of around 15 or so. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, it's a good time to connect with the story about another kind of like teenage young adult person. But also it was, uh, back then it was strange for me to see a animated movie that was getting a pretty, you know, wide release or like a commercial release that was aimed not just at children that had adult themes in it, that was in black and white, that was in this. I mean, by 2007, it was already weird to get a 2D animated movie. You know, it had yeah. already gone out of style. So so all of that made it feel very, um, very artsy and very, like you were saying, unique, different, a more a, an alternative to something a little bit maybe more serious or or more um, or just different, you know, to mm-hmm. the mainstream animation that we were getting at that time. Yeah, because we'd had adult animation before, but a lot of it was more on the sort of tawdry side, you know, like your heavy metals or Felix the Cat mm. or, you know, things like that. Yeah, South uh, Park. We had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. South Park. Or, you know, or very violent stuff, mostly, you know, from Japan, like Akira or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, that's true. And here you had something that is more uh more it's a mature story but it's not mm-hmm. titillating or you know that kind of thing mm-hmm. it's interesting that um they decided to make it an animated movie mm-hmm. you know i think um it, it would have been easy and it happens a lot in france that you know comic books 
or, or graphic novels are adapted into live action movies all the time. Um, you know, Blue as the Warmest Color is one of them a couple years ago that was a big kid um, and many others. So so I think it's interesting that they decided, well, I mean, we should say Marjan Satrapi, who wrote the books, is also a director of the movie, along with a guy named Vincent Paranod. Um, what's interesting is that both of them haven't worked in animation very much since the since making this movie. So it's kind of almost like a one-off, but I guess they wanted to really, I think it was a good idea because it, it captures the art style of the books, which is very, very beautiful and very kind of like minimalistic black and white, like almost no gray. It's everything is just black or white, you know, and it's very striking, I think. Mm-hmm. And that works very interestingly. Yeah, and evidently they didn't want this, uh, the producers didn't want to do make it an animated film because they knew how much more complicated that was Mm -hmm. according to the wikipedia she really insisted upon it and Mm -hmm. she said uh she's quoted as saying with live action it would have turned into a story of people living in a distant land who don't look like us satrapi says at Mm. best it would have been an exotic (laughs) story and at worst a third world story Interesting. Yeah. That's an interesting way to put it. I think it sounds very French to me that way of looking at that kind of stuff. I don't know. There's like, it's a whole story. We don't have to get into like ideas about French assimilation or whatever. But mm-hmm. I do think that that it what also is a very good strength of that is that you can go around all the, this, the, you know, the political, the changes in the story. You know, the fact that you can depict women without their headscarves inside in a in a movie that's animated well also it was made outside of iran but like you can you don't have to shoot in a different country and say this is iran when it isn't you can just draw it and you can get that realism in a weird way roundabout way yeah of showing them like that which you can't in iranian movies you know in iranian movies uh, the censorship is very strict. So we've covered Iranian movies here in the in the podcast, and they never show women without their headscarves because it's not allowed, even though in Iran, probably when you're at home, you're not wearing your headscarf because you're just around your family, you know? So, um, but that's just a level of authenticity that you can't get because of the censorship. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's interesting. She says that they decided on black and white because uh, they wanted... It, to show the imperfections of the characters it says despite its simplicity members of the animation team such as Josset, discussed how black and white makes imperfections more obvious using only black and white in an animation movie requires a great deal of discipline from a technical point of view you can't make any mistakes it shows up straight away on the large screen uh, hmm. so something about that like in a weird way because it's not real it has a certain realism to it yeah, that reminds me of, I don't know if you've ever read that book, Understanding Comics, Rachel, which is a very mm. famous kind of book about uh, how comic books work. And one mm-hmm. of the, the chapters is about how, I wish I remember the name of the author of the book. It's a really good book. Um, but he talks about how weirdly, when you draw a person, there is a that level of um, realism if you draw it really realistic, very detailed, it becomes harder to identify with that. Per- it becomes, it's too much, but there is mm-hmm. a, a perfect middle ground in between the stick figure and the realism. When it is just realistic enough, 
that it's that it becomes even somehow even more realistic. And mm. I think this movie gets at that middle ground. It's not yeah. it's not completely cartoony. It's not super super realistic. It's kind of in that middle ground that it's just that feels right. I don't know. It's kind of mm-hmm. like a Goldilocks sort of thing, you yeah. know, like it's just the perfect balance. And and I think the animation is is fantastic and it works so well and it moves so beautifully, smoothly, and the black lines in the white backgrounds or vice versa are so it's it's also like so striking and so elegant. It looks so good. Every frame yeah. looks looks really beautiful. Yeah, and the way it just it uses light and shadows uh really helps create, I think, the the mood uh and uh, this like police state mm-hmm. uh, really well well it starts out when she's a child and mm-hmm. uh we have the um uh the shaw getting uh um, getting the boot yes <laughs> <laughs> then, that's a, but, that's probably my favorite part of the movie when she's the beginning when she's really young and mm-hmm. um when she is, first of all, for, at first, when they're first starting to protest against the Shah, she's saying, she's repeating the stuff she's learned at school. Or she's been told mm-hmm. at school, you know, that the Shah cares for us. The Shah is our, is like our, you know, grandpa or our dad or something. And then her dad has to explain to her what happened. And then she changes her tune and she starts be like beating around the living room, you know, chanting down with the Shah, down mm-hmm. with the Shah or things like that, which reminded me a lot of being a kid also and not quite understanding the politics of what was going around me but being aware of them um Mm -hmm. when i was probably around the same age that she is in this movie about 10 or so there was a big like political upheaval in peru you know like that we had had a dictatorship for about 10 years since i was born and then the the government collapsed, the president escaped, he was being investigated, there was a lot of protest, and there was a whole thing, you know, and I could, I didn't know what was going on at the time, but I knew that things were changing, and and these names of these people were in my head, and me and my friends, we were, you know, nine years old, and we were making jokes about all these political people, we didn't understand who they were, but it was just kind of in the air, and this section really reminded me of that. Yeah. You know what, it kind of, this movie, I I wouldn't be surprised if um, uh, if the breadwinner uh, took some inspiration from this mm. movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think they're both kind of similar. They have a lot in common, similar stories of young women. Yeah. And, well, that's um, also based on a book. So, yeah, that's you know, true. obviously. But I think it also even in the style a little bit, they think obviously that movie's in color, so mm-hmm. it's different. But I do think that there's something about, well, actually, now that you mentioned it, those guys at um, Cartoon Saloon, I think it's the studio, mm-hmm. right, who made mm-hmm. The Breadwinner and has made a lot of other great movies. Yeah. They also do strike this balance that I'm talking about, right? Their yeah. style is in between very stylish and, and with enough realism to be kind of iconic you know you can really connect with the characters despite the fact that they're not a super realistic rendering mm-hmm. yeah i agree um so then we have uh, various scenes her uh, her grandfather's arrested her uncle is arrested is whipped with cables tortured um and uh, and then you see them at school her, you know, tearing the pages of the royal, uh, the pictures of the royal family out of the books, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, then you have um, 
Uh, they they claim, oh, we'll have a society of justice and freedom at last. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know that proves to not be the case. The uncle ends up getting sh- getting executed, um, and uh, and or the uncle's uncle, yeah. And then Anoush, yeah. he ends up finding exile in USSR. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so yeah, there's just a, you know, a lot of events. It's kind of plays out like a coming of age story. Um, yeah, you know, every time I watch this movie, which has been a couple of times since it came out the first time, of course, at, in 2007 at 15 years old, I knew very little about Iran. So mm-hmm. it was completely all kind of completely new to me. I didn't quite know the situation there. Um, but watching it again years later, and especially watching this time around, seeing all of this, you know, talking about this moment of revolution of what happened. And and obviously, I thought about what's happening now in Iran, you know, the, all the protests yeah. that's going on, how all of these fights are still being had, or or rather maybe even how they've been reawakened, you know, f- mm-hmm. from a different point of view, how, how it seems like maybe it's finally reaching the point where it can't hold anymore. But obviously with that comes a lot of of struggle and suffering, you know, to try to make these changes go. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Yeah. so it was kind of tough to watch, yeah. Yeah, so at the time, the Iran Farabi Foundation sent a letter to the French embassy in Tehran stating, this year the Cannes Film Festival in an unconventional and unsuitable act has chosen a movie about Iran that has presented an unrealistic face of the achievements and results of the glorious Islamic revolution in Mm -hmm. some of its parts. But despite all the rejections, the Iranian cultural authorities allowed limited screenings of the film in Tehran, albeit with six scenes censored due to sexual content, which I think is kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, yeah, that's. Um... <laughs> I wouldn't have thought that it would have gotten any screenings. So that's kind of surprising. It is so fascinating. It's so complicated and fascinating. All these, the you know how these governments work, how the world works. Like you, the people and places will surprise you always. Yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. know. It's just yeah, it's true. It, it's. I guess this is what the movie is also a little bit about. You know, like how everything. There's a lot of different sides to everything, yeah. and there's surprises in every person. Uh, and in every place. Yeah. And I think it's also, I mean, not only sharing her story, but also showing how, like, how little bit by little bit things can change, you know, that it doesn't happen overnight. But mm-hmm. just the way that, you know, they start requiring everybody, requiring everybody to veil at all time, all the women to veil at all times, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. just these little changes <clears throat> of like what you can listen to, what you can what you learn at school uh, and how that all kind of adds to, you know, that's how you get a Saddam Hussein or, or um, in Iraq or, or, or uh, somebody mm-hmm. like that, that it, you know, doesn't happen overnight. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I also thought it was interesting. The part when she, her family sends her away later on when she mm-hmm. becomes a little older to Austria to study and to kind of like, escape the situation a little bit and and that section was interesting to me because it was not um 
especially the first time seeing it, I was surprised by how it was not a story about her being able to leave and kind of like have a better life somewhere else. You know, Mm -hmm. she ends up returning. She goes there. Some things work, some things don't, but it's difficult. She misses being back home. um, And, um, and she ends up returning. And even there's like, you know, yeah, there, well, she almost dies in Vienna. She gets bronchitis. She right. ends up in the hospital. Yeah, um, yeah, of course. But but even before then, there's these hints of like that every place is complicated. You know, like in mm, Vienna, she mm-hmm. goes and then they had this election. It's a very small moment that you can miss it. But they talk about this guy. Uh, I can't remember his name. Is it Witten, Wittenberg or something who gets elected president of, of Austria and who was kind of controversial at the time because he was revealed to have worked for the Nazis before, you know? So that was, so they're talking about going to protest that. And you get this sense of like, every country has its past, it's dark things. And, and almost like there's a dysfunction about, about everything. She doesn't quite belong there. She now doesn't feel super, she feels at home in some ways in Iran, but in some others she doesn't. So it's like this kind of like very hard thing of being a person surrounded mm-hmm. by the 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 you know political yeah. history yeah yeah and uh she she loves uh iron maiden <laughs> right yeah, yeah she Jamming loves it out. i love her doing she gets she makes her jacket that says punk is not dead and then <laughs> she gets stopped in the street by the older ladies who are like what is this is, you know <laughs> yeah yes um, and uh, and uh, her friend saying ABBA is for wimps. <laughs> mm-hmm. right. That's funny. But uh, but yeah, they banned them having parties. And so they have them in secret. Uh, they have these wine making labs at home. Uh, and uh, um, they also there's this whole section where the friend is trying to get to England for heart surgery. And they try to find a fake passport um and that mm-hmm. all ends sadly yeah mm-hmm. and there is a lot going on i did see a few people in comments saying that the pacing's a little rushed in this movie how do you feel about that well i definitely feel like if there is something i don't know if it's uh necessarily a hindrance but it's something that does stand out is how because it's a very episodic movie, you know, it's about mm-hmm. these memories of her life. And there and there is a little bit of awkwardness, I think, just because we're not used to a movie moving in this way, the way how you have these very short scenes that kind of fade in and then they fade out. And, and they're very short. They're like these little vignettes. And there's something about the fade out and the fade in into a different story that, that kind of like highlights how episodic it is, highlights how it's not something that's like building in the traditional way that maybe can be a little bit of a... I don't know if it's necessarily a turnoff. I guess for some people it might be, but it definitely stands out and mm-hmm. feels different. Yeah, I think that's true. I didn't feel like it was too rushed, but I guess I can see the point because they were combining two books into to one movie, and you know it's not that long of a movie like most animated films. But uh, but yeah. uh, we also get to see like her relationship with her grandma. And mm-hmm. uh, the she puts the grandma puts Jasmine in her bra, and that mm-hmm, and that creates mm-hmm. like a a, um, a scent memory for her that yeah. she always, whenever she smells that she thinks of her grandma, and I think that that's like a real true thing. That mm, the sense memory thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's certain like recipes or certain things that make me think of 
yeah. of my grandparents who've all passed. Uh, yeah, well, this. I feel like smells specifically are so, mm-hmm. so good at the, or like so strong in terms mm-hmm. of memories. When you smell something that you haven't smelled in a long time, it kind of like really transports you somehow. Yeah. I don't know why that is that it. Yeah. Maybe because it's so unusual to replicate, right? Maybe you can see a picture or you can even listen to someone on the phone or, or in a recording, but like you can't really replicate a smell unless it's happening. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So the Jasmine works that way. And I really love that scene with her grandma too, when she talks about um, getting in trouble with the with some cops. So she kind of like puts she pretends to to not pretend because the guy had been a little rude to her some guy who was standing there but she kind of like turns the cops against him pretending to making herself a bit of a victim and Mm -hmm. she tells the grandma and then the grandma really like you know um teaches her a lesson i guess she gets upset at her and she's like that's you know and she's like well i didn't have a choice and she says like everybody has a choice you know everybody always has a choice and she's very upset about that and i Mm -hmm. and that really spoke to me as well that scene i thought that was very um yeah yeah it's something that clearly has stuck with her because it it really is kind of one of those things that that is frustrating you know when you see things change in a way that you don't understand in a way that you, how could people be okay with this how could people want this you know and you feel like you're out of that mm-hmm. and you and i find myself sometimes feeling that way and going like well how can people choose this you know we kind of we have a choice why do we choose to go along with this stuff but it's mm-hmm. But it's hard. Sometimes it does feel like you don't have a choice. So it's so it's very tough. Well, and especially when everything is so extreme, like they she gets at one point she gets scolded for running mm-hmm. because even though she's fully covered, uh, that it's you know that it's obscene to be yeah. running. You know, it's just like oh my gosh, I can't. Yeah, we'll talk about policing someone's body. You know, yeah, like we talk yeah. about that a lot. But like in this movie, it's literal. There's police going around telling these these women to fix the headscarf to act this way or not to not mm-hmm. run to do this to not do that you know it's very um yeah it's a police state for sure mm-hmm. and she's inspired by her uh her grandma to speak out at the class at the class at the school mm-hmm. about the veils and the clothes and uh and i mean yeah, that would be take a lot of a lot of guts yeah uh, to to do that um and she gets interrogated about her boyfriend um that she ends up marrying but only for a year and it's interesting because her grandma is like oh the first marriage is practiced for the second <laughs> <laughs> right which kind of surprised me because uh i mean yeah, to be honest i i didn't know that they even allowed divorce in the strict you know, Muslim mm-hmm. countries. Well, we did cover years ago that movie, A Separation, which is also mm-hmm. an Iranian movie, right? All about how That's hard true. it is to get a divorce. And, yeah. and that, so so it's clearly not easy. I don't know how it was at the time that the movie takes place and how it's changed. Mm-hmm. But the grandma definitely talks about getting a divorce. And obviously, when back when she did, it was before the Islamic State took um took over so mm-hmm. you know it was probably much easier back then but she definitely seems to be someone who is more secular and not mm-hmm. as you know religious as she's probably like she didn't yeah. it was not a big deal to her mm-hmm. well let's talk about our questions uh-huh. so why do you think this is a good fit for the criterion channel um i think you know like we were saying it's a unique animation animated movie um we don't well 
you know, there is a long tradition of animated movies in France. A lot of the movies that the most, you know, popular and successful of those have been at one point or another in the Criterion Project. We've talked about some of them, right? We've talked mm-hmm. about Kirikou. And is a town called Panic French or Belgian? I can't remember, but it's definitely in French. I was thinking France, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, That's so there true. is a, a long tradition of animation in that part of the world. And I think this movie is one of their best, you know, it's one of the, in the top tier of the, of that, of what I've seen, at least yeah. of that, of that tradition. So it's definitely, it feels very personal. It's, it's, um, it's a, it's a beautiful movie. It's a well done movie. It's a, it's a movie that kind of hits you. It's very funny at points and it's also very touching in others. So uh, yeah, I think it's a really good movie and it, in you know, in terms of like, um, voices and and points of view you know it's a point of view that you can't quite get in this way from iran so it needs to be someone who has left the country telling their story um and so i'm, I'm glad that that could happen mm-hmm. yeah and at least in the collection this movie is not in the collection but no. they don't have a ton of animated films and, mm-hmm. uh, and so i mean it'd be great if this could get in the collection but uh but uh to at least showcase it on the on the channel, I think, is a good thing because they could use even more animation. I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's so unique. I, I've never seen anything like it since or before. It's it's just the style, um, the subject matter, uh, everything about it is very mm-hmm. very unique. You know, the movie that it most reminded me of, the closest thing that I could think of was the movie. Only yesterday, the Japanese movie mm, by mm-hmm. is that Takahata, that. right? Isao Takahata. Takahata, yeah, yeah. About which is similarly about this woman looking back on her childhood years. It's obviously a very different context, right? It's it's not it's in Japan, not in Iran, and there's no revolution. But right. but it reminded me of that idea of looking back and and thinking of the sense memories mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. Both are really beautiful movies, obviously. The other one that I thought of is uh, the movie Flea. I don't know if you ever got around to seeing that I have that not seen year. that one. It's so good. I wouldn't be surprised if that ends up on the channel as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Really good uh, story. Ref- it's a refugee immigrant story. Beautiful. The ending. Oh, it's perfect. Uh, but uh, so, yeah, it's it's exciting when you see these creative anime films as someone like myself who loves animation. It's really it's really fun. So uh, what do you think about the pretentiousness? Where are you on it? Um, well, I guess it depends a little bit on uh, of how we define it. If we're thinking about it in terms of accessibility, I mean, it's it's like the the usual stuff that it's kind of like, I think, honestly, kind of basic of like subtitles or black and white, which I guess some people might be turned off by those things. But I do think that uh, that if you are at all someone who's into movies, you're probably in the point that subtitles and black mm-hmm. and white hopefully are not an issue for you in which case i think this movie could be enjoyed by anyone mm-hmm. it does have a little bit of pretension i think in terms of wanting to be a serious movie about like talking about politics history that kind of stuff but i do think it's very very accessible so i wouldn't go higher than like maybe like a four or yeah or three or something like that yeah i mean there's some people that adult animation by itself uh, even more than the subtitles or the black and white that that <laughs> would make it 
pretentious or art housey because it's right. a, you know got the adult themes and you know sensuality and things like that but mm-hmm. i actually agree with you a four is what i had yeah yeah, I guess there are some people who are always like, well, why why are you making this cartoon? It's for adults. You know, you should make mm-hmm. for children or whatever. Yeah. yeah, I guess that also happens. Yeah. So then uh, if we're thinking about the remake, I think it's tough because it's just so unique. How do you remake it? Mm-hmm. But I do think it would be interesting to hear about Marjan's feelings about what's going on now. Um, sure. And, uh, and to use the same kind of style also, if you were going to make a live action version of it, which I always hate, you know, mm-hmm. 99.9% of the time, I'm not a fan of live actioning, uh, animation, but if you were, I think it, you could have Panapanahi directed. <laughs> well, <laughs> right. That'll be tough, but, um, to make it happen, um, <laughs> And I would but, be interested to see what he would do after Hit the Road. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, Hit the Road, that's another great movie that came out last year mm-hmm. um, that I finally caught up with Rachel on your recommendation, and I thought it was really good. Um, I think I agree with you. It's hard to, to, to talk about a remake when it's something so personal. I think the only way, the only thing that I'd be interested in is if she felt like she has more to say and mm-hmm. she has more, maybe about her time in France once she moved there which is where the movie ends and obviously you know she's lived a lot of life since then Mm -hmm. so uh, maybe there's more there how she feels about the situation now or maybe about other moments that have happened since so I would be interesting to revisit if she wanted to do it obviously it it kind of loses something when it's no longer a child and a young person you know it's a very it's a different tone so I wonder how that would go but yeah um yeah and you definitely would have to keep this style the black and white and the and the hard black and white lines um yeah because seeing it in color even just the moment brief moments that the movie is in color in here which are just very few mm-hmm. um <laughs> i almost like like what's going on go back yeah. to black and white i like reject it yeah <laughs> yeah the the present sections are yeah. in color and then looking back mm-hmm. is in black and white which is yeah. creative. So, well, very good. We did it. Uh, so what do you uh, want us to talk about next time? So I think for next time, we'll be covering the movie To Be or Not To Be from 1942. It's part of the Criterion Channel's Screwball Classics collection that is going on right now, mm-hmm. which I've... I kind of fell off of it a little bit, but I was trying to watch a lot of the movies on there. A lot of great, great movies in that collection right now, including some that we have covered before in the show, like It Happened One Night and uh, Lady Eve. And this one is by Ernst Lubitsch, someone who we've also talked before because we did The Shop Around the Corner, Mm -hmm. another movie of his. But this is another, this is a movie about... um, a troupe of theater, a theater troupe in Nazi Germany. It's a screwball comedy somehow. So I'm looking forward to seeing it because I haven't, but I've heard a lot about it and everything's been great. So yeah, I've never seen it either. And I love me a screwball comedy. So definitely. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely one of our areas of expertise at this (laughs) point. So yeah, we're, we're excited for it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, let us know if you're listening what you think of. Oh, I almost forgot. I did ask on Twitter um, just uh, what people thought of Persepolis. Um, Mm -hmm. So let me share some of those real quick. Yeah. Um, My friend Kevin at iCritic, he says, Persepolis is a uniquely moving experience that perfectly illustrates emotionally and visually the sad existence of women in Iran and one girl's journey to forge her own identity under oppression. A great example of humane cinema. And then animated antic. He says, I really love it. It's a gorgeous and sad story of a woman trying to do her best despite the struggles around her. It's well animated and very sad, but it leaves a poignant impact on you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then Thomas Willett says, I personally love it. The personal narrative complements the animation very well. And I think it elevates it to something very special. Mm -hmm. Ryan Terry says it's a beautifully animated moving coming of age story with some good voice acting in both the original French version and English dub that provides a new look at a complicated chapter in world history Mm -hmm. recommended. Yeah, we didn't really talk about the voice acting. I was going to bring up the same thing. (laughs) We both watched the French version, I assume, Mm -hmm. um, which is, I mean, it's great acting as far as I can tell. I mean, I don't speak French, but it all sounded great to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just wanted to point out something cute about it is that uh, the the main character, Marjan, is voiced by Chiara Mastroianni, and her mother is voiced by the actor's mother, uh, Catherine Deneuve, um, mm-hmm. who there she's obviously a very famous actor. Yeah. Um, and also uh, kind of interesting, right? That, I mean, 2007 in France, I feel like today maybe there'll be more of a, especially in America, there'll be definitely more of a push to cast Iranian actors in the voice parts, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. So that's kind of interesting, but I think they do a good job. Yeah. Our friend Zach Kircher, he says one of the best movies of 2007, which is saying a lot given how many bangers came out that year. 2007. And, yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, let's. Oh, Ratatouille. Oh, Great movie. That is one of my favorites. <laughs> let's, let me, what else happened? Is that No Country for Old Men? Uh, there will imagine. be blood yeah. zodiac oh yeah lots of great movies <laughs> um walk hard which is one of my favorites yeah. very funny movie um yeah all right yeah uh and then last one christopher Wyhart says first thought during high school and find it amazing inspirational yet heartbreaking so mm-hmm. everybody agrees it's a winner yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah so thanks so much for all those comments make sure you're following us at criterion pod and uh, Conrado, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Coco Hits NY, and I'm also on Letterboxd. If you use Letterboxd, uh, you can find me Conrado Falco the Third. Great, and you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. And uh, my Facebook is back after two months being disabled. <laughs> Very exciting. So I'm back on Facebook. Follow me there. And, uh, and of course, you can also find me at the Hallmarkies podcast. We've got a lot of good stuff, fun stuff going on there. So check that out. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, let us know what you think. Please like, uh, wait, please, uh, uh, sorry, please, if you are listening on iTunes, leave your ratings and reviews. That really helps us a lot. We appreciate it very much. And uh, we'll be excited to talk about a screwball comedy coming up next. Uh, So we'll talk to y'all later. Bye, everyone.